crawl before we walk, we walk before we run. So the idea is you slowly add complexity. You slowly add challenge to it. You start simple with a dog and you start slowly adding layers. Welcome back. Another episode of the Dog Bone Podcast here for you. I'm going to get right into it. Uh, I've got all kinds of questions um, stacking up and I've come to a realization that it's going to be really challenging for me to be able to keep, I was talking with my business partner about this, it's going to be really hard for me to keep up with all the questions that come in through the different platforms. I am going to continue to do my best. Um, but so, so I appreciate your patience with it. I'm certainly not saying don't send them in. Um, because I think eventually I'll be able to hit most of them. But if I miss you, I apologize. Um, it's just, it's become a little bit overwhelming as far as the number of it. So I'm doing my best here, but, um, I'm going to get right into it. This, this is a recent one. So, um, I'm going to try to do a few of them here and I'm going to not, I'm going to do my best to not, um, get hung up and, and to move through these as quickly as possible. So, let me get you started here. It says, I have a one-year-old Chesapeake Bay Retriever that does great with single dummies and not so great with doubles. She's also extremely adverse to feathers. She will either completely ignore the duck or sort of grab it and throw it. I was curious if you could give me some advice on how to train her. So the thing about answering some of these questions like this is, is there's tons of variables. I don't know the variables. So it's not a it's never as easy as a, oh, you've got this, do this type of answer. You're having this type of a problem, I'll give you this as your, your answer. It's just not that simple. Um, there's lots of things that go into it. But I think I'll answer this one specifically under some assumed things. But I also think that you're going to find that generalizations can be made about my answers. And some adjustments and minor tweaks of the wording could be used and it basically is a, uh, an answer that could be duplicated in a lot of scenarios. So I'll give you, uh, you hear me out and you'll, you'll hear what I'm thinking here. Okay. One-year-old Chesapeake Bay Retriever doesn't retrieve, does great with singles and does not so great with doubles. So my question is, is, well, how is your setup? And I don't know that answer. So I'm going to make some assumptions. I'm assuming that you don't set it up properly. So the thing about training is it's incremental and it builds off of essentially the last lessons. And so if you're doing really well with singles, I would ask you to look at it and go, how come? A single retrieve, is it a marked retrieve? Is it a trailing memory type setup? What does that look like? And so when I start running singles, I'll explain to you how I do it. Singles come first. Single, we, we crawl before we run, right? We crawl before we walk, we walk before we run. So the idea is you slowly add complexity. You slowly add challenge to it. You start simple with a dog and you start slowly adding layers to it. I would set up my single. And the reason you're having success with the single is probably because it's pretty easy. So that's good. You should start out with easy stuff. If you started out with a 200-yard single retrieve, your dog wouldn't be able to do it because it's too big. It's too complex. The distance has created it. It's not a hard idea or... or um, challenging beyond the dog's capabilities to make a retrieve on a single dummy it's that you made it too big 
You put too many barriers in between it. You made it too long. You might have made it too too long from a delay standpoint where you waited too long to send the dog and the dog forgot about it. All those are things that can get in the way. So with a single retrieve, let's just say, let's say you're setting it up the way I would recommend. I use more memories than marks. So I walk down, I drop the dummy, I turn around, I walk back on a straight line using a, some type of a straight edge. Maybe it's a road, maybe it's the edge of two fields that meet each other and have a, maybe it's a tree line, but a straight edge that helps guide the dog down and back. It's a visual thing. So let's say you walk down 20 yards, drop a dummy, heel the dog back to the original spot, turn around and send the dog. That's your single. How do I go to a double? I walk down, I drop the dummy, I turn around, I walk back to the point where I'm gonna send the dog, but instead this time I walk another five or 10 yards and I drop a second dummy. I tell it to watch that one. I turn back around. I walk back that five or 10 yards and I'm facing the original dummy. Now, a lot of times the dog will want to swing its head towards the last dummy because it's the last one on its mind. So in that case, nope, I say no and I walk forward again until it sees the first dummy. This is, I'd be using big bright white dummies on short grass so the dog can see it. Now the dog sees the first dummy that we put out. As soon as the dog commits to it visually, I send it. Now the dog's going to run out and get it. Now the dog's got to come back to you. So if you can't get a dog to go out and come back reliably with one, you can't run two because what's going to happen is the dog's going to go out and get the one, come back, run around you, and maybe try to switch or maybe try to go run and pick up that second dummy. So if you don't have the dog coming back to you in the first place, that's a prerequisite. You can't do doubles until you get dogs running singles really well. You said you have them running really, it says great with singles. So I'm assuming that the dog goes out and comes back. So the nice part about being in that straight line is in order for the dog to get to the second dummy, what does it have to do? It has to go through you. So you can intercept it at that point if it decides it wants to go to the second dummy without you sending it. So let ideally, dog's running the single first, then we set the double up, send the dog on the first one, picks it up, brings it back to us. Now we turn around, we take the dummy, put it in our bag, get it out of sight, out of mind right away, turn around back to the second dummy, which is five to 10 yards. If you remember, I specifically said the numbers intentionally. It's shorter. It's only five to 10 yards away. And when you turn around, boom, it's right there because it's bright white. You line the dog and you send it on the second one. Now that's how I send dogs on doubles. And I can do that with dogs that are really young, uh, you know, three months old. 12 weeks old, 13, 14 weeks old, I start running, I can run these simple little doubles with these dogs. They're not steady at that point, they're, but they're, they're almost so simplistic that they run out and they come back. And then I turn around and I let them run out and come back again. That's how I would set up the double. From there, you can start, once you get really good at that, the dog starts to understand, I don't get to go to the second one until I bring the first one in, I give a nice delivery, and then I go get the second one. Then you can start setting up different scenarios. Then you can start changing the angle of degree so that the dog, eventually I want to be able to throw two dummies down and have them basically next to each other, side by side. And I want to send one to the, I want to line the dog to the left or line the dog to the right where it's very clear that I want you to pick that dummy up. I want them to run out and pick that dummy up. I don't want them picking which dummy they want. I don't want them shopping for dummies. I don't want them switching on me. They run out, they pick one, and they've got this habit ingrained in their mind that they, when they pick a dummy up, they can't do anything else but bring it back to me. That's the idea of prepping them for pre-hold conditioning. So now we're talking about shaping that retrieve. Now you said your dog's a year old, so I, you know, maybe you have, maybe you haven't hold conditioned, but 
you don't have to have hold conditioned by 12 months. I've done it later than that. But I'm definitely not starting shaping at 12 months. I'm starting shaping at eight to nine weeks. So shaping the delivery means encourage them to hold, not to turn this into a game of keep away, not to run off, not to drop short, none of that stuff. So we're shaping that with one retrieve at a time, every retrieve at a time. And then we're starting to add layers and starting to look into these things like complexities of doubles. Now, so that's why I go from being great at singles to great at doubles. Very, very black and white, simplistic situation that allows the dog to understand the concept of I go get one, bring it back. Then I go get two, bring it back. So I don't know what your scenario looks like, but that's how I'm going to do it. Now it says you're, she's extremely adverse to feathers. She'll either completely ignore a duck or sort of grab it and throw it. So I'm, I'm assuming you're saying she's tossing it up in the air. I was curious if you could get me some advice on how to train her. So the big thing about this question is, is you just picked apart a couple different issues. Running singles, running doubles, that's a completely t separate topic. Running feathered feathers is a completely different topic. So it, that goes back to how, well, how do I introduce a dog to birds? I've had some people ask me recently, well, I want to introduce the dog to birds. Should I bring them to the game farm and let them pick up some... Uh, pick up fresh killed birds or introduce them to live birds. No, no, and no. I, I look at it as incremental. So I start out with dummies. I like our dummies because they feel like birds. We make our own dummies. They feel like birds. It's intentional. Then I'll tape wings to it and I'll use electrical tape and I'll tape those wings on so that the feel is there, the smell is there, the taste is there, but it's taped on so they can't pick and pluck at it. They can't, they have no opportunity to just decide they want to get choosy on the, on the bird and start picking the feathers out because I don't want dogs to be plucking. So sounds like you're saying she'll ignore it or she sort of grabs it and throws it about. So I go, usually when I introduce a dog to feathers, it's on the dummy. And if they balk at it at all, I simplify that retrieve down very short. I might throw it three, four feet and send the dog. So I'm right there next to them. And if they balk at it, I can encourage them like a puppy. Come on, come on, get it, get it, get it. I tease them almost into this level of excitement that overcomes their potential shyness of the idea of a feather so that they're not blinking on it. So I'm getting that dog to get confident, pick it up. I might put it in their mouth and let them hold it for a second and carry it around. I had to do this the other day with a dog with a goose. We had to put it, it wouldn't quite have the confidence to pick it up. It was too heavy for it. So we put it in its mouth and it held it pretty well. It's been through hold conditioning. So that, that might be something that you do as well. But I'm going to get that dog excited about the idea of feathers. Then I'm going to go to cold game, which is a frozen bird. I'll thaw it out so there's no ice on the feathers or anything. But I'll get that bird to thaw out, brush it off, and now it's hard. So what it's not going to do is it's not going to allow the dog to really compress it. It's not going to allow it to pick and peck it, the wings and the head and the neck, because it's all frozen solid. It's in the same shape as the dummy, but it's it's exposed to the idea of the feathers. It's harder to pluck that bird than it is a fresh killed bird. So then once I get good with that and the dog's confident picking that up, then I'm going to go to a fresh killed game. And then I might even go to like a, a wing clip pigeon, something that's alive and the dog's going to have to hold it in its mouth and understand what the right pressure and the, and I don't teach that that's inherited. That's a genetic thing. Soft mouths are very inherited. So I can discourage dogs from chomping but sometimes that dog that's got the hard mouth, it's ingrained in them. So you really got yourself an uphill battle. So that's the, that brings in some genetic discussion. But incrementally is how I'm going to get the dog to birds. And so feathers. So if you go, I've seen so many people introduce birds improperly, which creates issues. 
And then I've seen some people go, well, I threw the bird and the dog ran out to it, smelled it and came back to me and won't do it. So they throw their hands up and they go, oh, I guess my dog won't do it. Now what? Well, you have to be a part of this training equation. No different than when you're, when, with some little dogs, I might have to really encourage them to pick up a tennis ball. Some little bird dogs, I might have to really encourage them to pick up a bigger dummy. You have to be there. You're a part of the training. It's not like you're just a silent observer when it comes to training dogs. So I'm going to challenge you. This is coming from Jackson. Jackson, I'm going to send you an email and let you know that I answered this in the podcast. I think we're going to challenge you to be able to understand how to read your dog in the training situations and act accordingly. So if you need to get them jacked up, watch some. If you say, well, how do I do that? Watch a bunch of our videos because you'll read and hear how my tone changes at times to encourage something or discourage something. That's me actively being involved as a, a teacher for the dog. And they learn that way. They understand our body language. They understand our tone and our voices. So you might have to treat this little puppy like it's a, a little puppy and save the world because it simply picked up feathers on a dummy. That might be this first step in its confidence because if it's just blinking on it, ignoring it completely, first off, you're doing a duck. So it's too big. You're, you're on step three and you haven't done one or two, it doesn't work. So sometimes, almost always, when I run into an issue with training, I stand back, I take a step back from it, I look at it and I go, how come it didn't work? And it's almost always that I have, I put too much on the dog to accept or be able to handle in one one thing, one chunk, one lump of information. So what do you do? Break it down, simplify it, make it, make that, take that duck that the dog doesn't like to pick up and break it into three or four steps to get to the duck. All right, Jackson, I'm going to send you an email and let you know. Let's go to this next question. Hey guys, huge fans. Couple questions. I bought an eight week old Weimaraimer Wiesela mix two days and I've had her Two days I've had her and she whines at the door to go potty and she found one of my sheds in the house and brought it to me. What are my next steps? I didn't ask her or expect her to find it. I'd like her to be a pheasant dog and a shed dog. She's very calm and almost knows her name. Just a couple steps to keep going is what I'm looking for. This is for Walleye. Walleye91. No, his name is Andy. So this came as an email to our website. Andy, I'm going to tell you, good for you. You got an eight-week-old puppy that did some, made some nice decisions. Foundation is where you start. Housebreaking is number one for me. And from there, we just start getting the dog comfortable. Puppy training video. That's my 100% recommendation. Look at, at our puppy training video. Because that's going to show you what I do. And that's downloadable. It's a digital download. Um, it also is in DVD form, but I don't know how many people have DVD players anymore. So it's available digitally. Then it's foundation because puppy video leads to foundation. And then it's our shed video. They're all over three hours long. They're all available on our website and you can buy a bundle and get them all, um, you can get really good price on them. We have like a bundle. It's all of our videos. So that's available on our website, dog100.com. But that's the process that I'm looking at. And it's going to take you about a couple years to get there. So when I tell you that, if it takes a year, all the better. If it takes you two years, you're fine. If it takes you three years, you got there. It's step by step. So don't, so I think it's great to have the dog that picks up the shed and carries it around the house, praise it for it at eight weeks old and take it away from it. The last thing I want is a young dog carrying around a hard antler. You watch any of our um, 
seminars, watch our videos. You'll see there's way too many things that can go wrong. It's like putting a pheasant dog in a pen with a pheasant and a puppy as a puppy and hoping they turn into pheasant dogs. It's not going to work. So slow down, enjoy this process, start developing what makes the dog a good dog first. If it's a hunting dog, it will hunt. But it's, it's, it's the shaping starts now, and everything that you're going to have issues with for the next over the next couple of years, everything that comes up that you look at it as, man, this isn't going well. How do I fix it? Everything. I'll make a bold statement here. Everything will be able to be directly connected to the foundation. If you don't have a solid foundation, buildings fall over. So do dogs. So it's all starting with building that foundation. It's building a confident dog. It's building a puppy that wants to work with you. And that's all stuff that comes slowly and surely. And so I've got a dog right now that is, he's about eight months old, blue, and he's doing a really nice job. And I haven't done squat with him formally from a training perspective for a, probably a month and a half now. And he's just fine. He's got a real nice little foundation started. Um, I need to work on it more. We're going to be sharing. we got a special kind of a project that we're working on right now with him and his sister, Cleo. Um, that's something that's going to be available and something that we're kind of excited to share with you guys pretty soon too. But um, that's all in the works. But I'm in the same boat. I do it with every one of my dogs. So take your time, get a plan, work it, and then be flexible. Uh, we're going to go to one more here. Let's see. I'm contacting you in hopes that you can offer me some advice. This is coming from Kevin with my two-year-old Black Lab. We had a good hunting season last year, but a few things I wanted to work on over the summer being bringing the bird to hand. So I started your whole conditioning methods. Now he will not fetch or retrieve. If I throw a dummy, he'll run to it and he won't pick it up. It seems like through hold conditioning training, he got used to me putting the object in his mouth and he's not and him not picking it up. Is this something you have seen before? How should I go about fixing this problem? I tried to go back a step and just get him to retrieve a ball in the hallway in our house like I did when he was a very young puppy, but he's not very excited about the ball or anything else I try to use. He listens to other commands, and if I put the object in his mouth, he'll hold it until I say drop, but he just won't retrieve on his own. He's very timid when I throw a dummy. I'm not sure where to go next, so I thought I'd reach out to you. Worth a try. Any advance? Any advice, this would be much appreciated. I'll gladly compensate for your knowledge and time. Okay, Kevin, this one's on me. You sound like you're doing it right, but you need to listen to what I told Jackson. I would be interested in you sending me a video of your dog not retrieving because I bet it looks like you throwing something and then standing there and waiting for him to pick it up. I bet you, and I would be interested in seeing what happened in your whole conditioning, so maybe send me a video of that as well. I bet you you have a dog right now that's a little bit turned off at the idea of what it's it, probably confused at the idea of what it's really supposed to do. You took it through hold conditioning, but I bet you it's not complete. And so what I would do is I want to see how the dog responds and reacts. The dog should be pretty cheery throughout the process. And right now it sounds like um, he is very timid when I throw a dummy. He's telling you right now he's not comfortable. So start making it fun, and I bet you the dog will latch onto it. So excitement in your voice. Don't ask for don't ask for any steadiness. Don't ask for it. Make this back to we're a puppy in the yard. Now I think you said I tried doing that in the hallway. 
Um, he's not excited about the ball or anything else. The ball shouldn't be the thing that gets him excited. You should. Because you're, the ball is, the object, the dummy, whenever you did hold conditioning, the object you put in his mouth is not what turned him off. It was you. Somehow, I'm 99% I'm sure, now I don't see any videos of this, but I'd like to see one. I bet you when you got him into that process of going through hold conditioning, at some point he soured on you and said, this isn't fun. Dad doesn't like me anymore. We're not having a good time. My tail's not wagging. My ears aren't perked up and excited about this. So now all of a sudden, you've got a dog mentally going, I'm a little intimidated by this whole process. And now you ask him to go get a dummy and he goes, now I'm really intimidated because I'm afraid of what's going to happen when I pick it up. So how do you overcome that? Become a nice guy again. Become a, And I'm not saying you're not a nice guy, but become a nicer guy. Get the dog's tail to wag. Get the dog to do, you gotta, he's a lab. I guarantee you I could get that dog to retrieve in about 30 seconds because my tone and my mannerism and my excitement level and all that stuff is gonna get him comfortable to the point where he'll just forget about formal hold conditioning and he'll turn into a lab and retrieve. And that's not the problem. The problem, the reason you hold condition that dog is not because you had retrieving problems, it's because you had delivery problems, I'd be willing to bet. So you don't, you don't, Train, you don't hold condition a dog to teach them to retrieve. You hold condition a dog to have them perform once they make the retrieve. And that's where people get really confused with this. And I think they, the reason I think they're confused with it is because of force fetch. Because I think people think force fetch and hold conditioning are the same thing, and they're definitely not. Hold conditioning helps finish the retrieve in a desirable way that we're looking for. It doesn't teach the dog to retrieve on command. Retrievers retrieve. They retrieve themselves. You have taken that away from him, it sounds like, so give it back to him. I hope that makes sense. Kevin, send me a, a couple of email or a couple of videos if you want. Now, just me getting excited about this has my dog in the background fired up Makina. I mean, I got, I got pretty into this one. And as soon as I did that, she got up off of her bed and now she's whining and fussing because she's reading off of my body language. 100%. That's the reason. So as soon as I calm down here, hit the end of the record button, start going back into some of these other emails, I got a feeling she's going to spin around three times and go back to sleep. I can almost guarantee it. So what is that? To, what, why am I sharing that with you? Because that's a very good indicator of how you, as a handler, influence results in your dog, your energy. You get pissed off at a dog, you can shut them down. You get, you get stern with a dog and the dog is unsure of why you're being stern, you can shut them down. You can get them ramped up and excited. You can get them happy. You can get them wagging their tail. You can change everything about their life based on your attitude. When you start going to make retrieves with the dog and the dog's not making the retrieves, ask yourself how you feel about it. However you feel about it, the dog feels it. So, that can apply to everything regardless of what we're doing with the dogs. That applies with everything, including me recording a podcast and dogs laying on their beds behind me. So, Kevin, I hope that helps. Jackson, I hope that helps. And I think it was the walleye man, Andy, here. I hope that helps with you. Guys, I appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you would do me a favor, a big favor would be leave a uh, um, review wherever you're listening to it. It helps us to grow this, and our intentions are to help as many people as possible. So, 
Um, if you do that, I'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, I'm going to do my best, guys, to continue to get these things recorded for you. Um, I'm going to do my best to continue to get you back to you on messages. I do apologize for not getting back to everyone as quickly as I would like to do it, but um, it's just the way it is, and I, I, I just can't. I'm doing the best I can with it. So I thank you for your patience with it. Enjoy these these coming months, guys. It's Octo it's uh, let's see, it's October October 11th, and we are just getting into stride here. We're gonna be. I've got a. Um, I'm home this week with with our kids as my wife is out for work um, out of state. But then next week we're gonna be in the woods. I'm gonna be doing some podcasts, hopefully from the cabin. Um, we're going to be in the woods for, for several days on end. Um, and man, it just can't come soon enough. So, um, do that with, remember the reason why we do all the training that we do. If you're a hunt and maybe you're not a hunter and that's okay too. But if you are a hunter and you have hunting dogs, the reason you put all that work in is to hunt them. I really believe that. And the reason that, that it makes them the happiest. So do me a favor and, and do that this year. Now, as I calm down talking here, what happened to the dog in the background? She's laid down. She's settling in nicely. So it's a very, very, like, it's an unplanned example. And I don't know, maybe you couldn't hear that on the audio, but Makina got up and was really whining. And I mean, she was like stretching out on her bed. She just... As I got intense, so did she. And she's real sensitive that way. Like, she's got a very, I got, I have four Labradors here. Three of them are eyes closed and snoring. Blue is awake, but barely. And then Makina's just on pins and needles the second I get talking a little bit loud and, and intense. And my, my, I start to, I can feel myself tightening up. And she's, on her the tips tippy toes whining and fussing and oh my god and because she is like really dialed into me and her personality is different than my labrador's so um it's a really good example that i didn't know that was going to happen uh i hope you could hear that little bit of whining in the background um and i hope you can hear it be nice and quiet now and i think if you want rewind and hear my tone four minutes ago five minutes ago when I was talking about whatever it was I was talking about here with uh, Kevin, talking about, man, get your dog excited. So you got to use it. You got to use it both ways. Get Keep your dogs calm when it needs to be calm and level-headed. Get your dogs excited in a positive way, not out of fear. Not I, I don't need them cowering because they're, they know I'm pissed. And I don't need them shutting off because they know I'm frustrated. I need them wanting to give me everything they've got. And think about it. If you're put yourself in their position, I'm going to be, I got another question here that I'm going to be doing on another podcast episode that I'm going to really challenge you to put yourself in the dog's position. But think about it from their perspective. Would you want, if you're the dog, would you want to do stuff for you as a handler based on how you're working with them? Think about that, okay? Thank you guys. I appreciate it. We'll continue doing them. I appreciate the support. Talk to you later.